Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeist, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hey guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. It is Christmas Eve. Uh, The snow is falling outside, which is, to me, being a southerner, it is kind of amazing. It's not that amazing for living in Cleveland, but uh, I did not grow up with white Christmases, so it's kind of magical that snow is coming down as we're waiting for Santa to come down the chimney and deliver presents to all the good little boys and girls, which hopefully includes all you guys out there, so... In the meantime, I'm going to sit around and talk to you guys about shadow people this week. We've gotten quite a few stories in about shadow people, and I thought we might look at that subject a little more in depth tonight, including a couple stories from you guys. So buckle up, grab your hot chocolate, make sure your stocking is hung up because you got to have somewhere to put candy canes and, in some people's cases, coal. Um, And let's get going on this week's episode. Okay, first off, what is a shadow person? Um, A shadow person is not a typical haunting. It's a little different. Uh, There are some common features that we find in shadow people experiences. Uh, Usually we look at a shape that is considered um, generally male in appearance. Uh, We don't hear a whole lot of female shadow people, but uh, I'm sure they exist somewhere. You know, I'm not misogynist or anything. I'm sure there are shadow ladies out there too. But usually what we find is that the appearances are male. They're usually a fairly tall person, uh, six, uh, six to seven feet tall. Not very often are you going to find shorter than six feet. Uh, every once in a while you hear something taller than seven feet, but usually six to seven feet tall. They seem to be wrapped in a cloak whenever you can tell that, or maybe, um, a large old-fashioned coat. Oftentimes, um, weirdly enough, you hear of people reporting shadow people that wear hats, especially wide, flat-brim hats. Uh, that's not an uncommon phenomenon, which is kind of a little different. Um, they really, you cannot see any kind of facial features. You can't see any details with them because it is basically just a, a person-shaped shadow. But if you do see any kind of facial features, usually what you see is the eyes, um, which are usually, when you have the eyes described, are described as glowing red eyes, which is kind of creepy. They can have... Um, a demonic shape and a demonic demeanor which lends itself to uh, other areas of speculation about what they are they seem to be aware of of us and the person that's observing them they seem to be aware that that there's another person in the room with them Um, and like a ghost physical objects don't really seem to matter to them they tend to walk right through them they'll walk through furniture they'll walk through walls they'll walk through doors so uh, it in that range it seems to take on the appearance more of a ghostly type of haunting. And some shadow people, you know, this is a broad overview of shadow people, and some don't really appear as people at all. They can take the form of animals, although this is 
pretty rare. Now, Shadow People have been a staple of certain hauntings and spirit activities, but, you know, they've really become more prevalent in discussions of haunting activity in just the last few decades. Most notably, and I remember this episode actually happening, Art Bell brought the subject to the forefront in 2001. He started uh, discussing the topic on his show, which you guys are probably familiar with, uh, Coast to Coast AM, one of my favorite all-time shows, uh, kind of a talk radio uh, fanatic, and Coast to Coast AM is definitely up at the top of my list when it comes to talk radio. Um, He started having a handful of guests specifically interested in the phenomena on his show. Uh, Since then, more people have become educated on the differences between shadow people and typical hauntings, and that's really kind of led to a more nuanced level of reporting than was previously seen. Previously, everything was kind of lumped together, and now we're starting to see people say, okay, this is not a haunting, this is a shadow person experience, which is kind of neat. Uh, The phenomena has also been the central or, you know, at least peripheral subject of a lot of movies lately, including everything from movies like John Dies at the End and the appropriately entitled Shadow People, and maybe even some TV shows, uh, Supernatural, which is my wife's current favorite show, uh, has Shadow People on it on a couple episodes. And we've even seen things like Pokemon, of all things. There's apparently a Pokemon named Gengar, I guess I'm pronouncing that right. My daughter would probably know, (laughs) which is based on a shadow person. There are quite a few theories out there about what shadow people are or what causes them. And I'd like to go over a few of those theories just so we're on the same page with it. Uh, We're going to go from what I consider least likely to what is the most likely uh, explanations for these phenomenon. And again, this is my opinion. This isn't cold hard facts this is just the way i kind of see the world of shadow people the first thing we're going to look at is of course the skeptics viewpoint of it's the imagination or it's maybe mistaken identification Uh, again this is what skeptics will tell you 100 percent of the time is the explanation for it the thought is that people on the edge of sleep and they have done some studies on this where people who are on specifically methamphetamines where they get sleep deprivation or uh, certain other uh, psychotropic drugs will see what they call shadow people or what they'll see as shadows attacking them. You know, that. so the thought is that the people that are on the edge of sleep, where most reports occur, are particularly susceptible to hallucinations or misinterpreting shadows. They're saying maybe you're seeing shadows from headlights of a car going down the street and it's causing a shadow in your room. So you're seeing that and because you're almost asleep, you think it's a person attacking you. Um, to be sure, you know, there's a percentage of this where this is the explanation. I mean, I would be dumb to say, no, this never, ever happens. But the truth of the matter is it can't possibly occur every episode and it can't cover everything that is out there. And the fact that, you know, this is always the pat answer from skeptics and especially the ones who admittedly have never had an experience in the shadow people phenomenon makes it really kind of difficult to take this as an explanation, take it seriously. Uh, Statistical objective analysis of all reports would show that it's virtually impossible for every instance to be simply someone hallucinating or maybe making a mistake in his or her observation. So while we can say that, yes, there's a small percentage where it is obvious that, you know, this is a mistaken identity or this is sleep deprivation or maybe just this is a crazy person, I would 
venture a guess is to say that it's virtually impossible for it to be every single one. So we're while we take that into consideration for our discussion purposes, we're just kind of kind of throw that out the window because we're only going to look at serious people who are talking about their experiences where they have eliminated those possibilities. The next theory is time travelers, which is kind of, to me, an out there theory, but uh, it is a theory that folks do have. And it's, you know, the theory goes that people who have found the ability somehow to travel through time, either through their own physical beings or through machines or whatever, take the form of shadows to observe us. Uh, There's, you know, that while that would maybe make sense from a uh, Star Trek Prime Directive, we're not going to interfere standpoint. Um, it, it's really a, not a plausible theory to me, but, you know, there are people that that is their theory, so we're going to put that out there. The other theory that is kind of out there to me, and for different reasons, is there's a theory that these are aliens or maybe extra dimensional beings. Um, and, you know, there is some overlap in reporting uh, with the similarities between encounters with aliens and extra-dimensional people and shadow people, especially in cases where the shadow person uh, fits the what they call the man-in-hat archetype. This is a shadow person that is specifically de- described as a tall man wearing a cloak with a flat, wide-brimmed, almost like cowboy hat um, that has been reported over the years. And we see that sometimes in conjunction with uh, UFO and alien activity. So we have to look at that. The aliens or the extra dimensional being may be taking the form of shadows in order to more safely observe us. And that kind of ties in with the same thing we were thinking about with the time traveler theory. You know, that's the whole prime directive. We're not going to interfere. So we're going to put ourselves in a form that makes it impossible for us to interfere physically with that person. Um, especially in the cases of extra-dimensional beings, shadow people might be the manifestation of beings that exist in what you would think of as a vibrational mode, slightly different from our own, which might be why they can sometimes communicate, but they can't really fully interact with our world physically. So there have been reports where a shadow person has communicated with the person witnessing them, usually not verbally, usually telepathically, but they almost never have an instance where they can actually move things physically. It's almost always uh, outside of the physical realm. So with that in mind, you know, extra dimensional beings, eh, you know, I don't see why not. Anything is possible. So we kind of have to take that into consideration. Now, one of the more classic theories out there, of course, is that these are ghosts. And of course, if you remember our episode a couple of episodes ago where we talked about specific different kinds of ghosts, we know that ghosts do sometimes take the form of shadows, but the appearance is usually uh, different than the, uh, for the shadow person than the classic description of shadow people and ghosts. Uh, the main difference being that a ghost uh, shadow person, you still see details, you still see where you have articles of clothing that you can see folds and you can see limbs and you can see hands. I'm specifically thinking of a couple of uh, monk ghosts from England from the early 1900s where they were described as shadowy beings, but you could see 
their hands and you could see their faces. Uh, in fact, there's a very famous picture of them going up a staircase where you could physically, you could see the details of their hands. And with shadow people, you almost never have a description of their face. Again, with the exception sometimes of the eyes, which are described as red and glowing when they're evident. There are enough similarities, though, between ghosts and shadow people that, you know, the theory can't really be fully discounted. So I'm sure there are some instances where a shadow person is a ghost um, and they kind of overlap. So there is going to be a small percentage of that where that's going to be the explanation. The next one, of course, is the all-famous demonic explanation. And demons often will take the form of shadow creatures. That's one of the more typical forms that we see demonic activity take. Therefore, you know, at least a percentage of the reports that we have of shadow people must be assumed to fit into that specific category, especially where the shadow person has been described with glowing red eyes, which is a very common and fitting description of a negative entity. With this in mind, though, you've got to understand that any investigator that is pursuing a case where a shadow person is part of the reported activity should use extreme caution uh, where they can. Take all the precautions that we advised in our demon show and that you would when you know that it's a demonic activity because you can't do this retroactively. You go in with your eyes wide open. Make sure that you're prepared as well as make sure that you're preparing the people who are the uh, victims of such a experience uh the biggest difference between what we think of as shadow people classic shadow people at least and demonic shadow uh, activity is that shadow people are normally not interactive they again they don't move things around they don't uh they don't speak they don't make noises things like that and most demonic activity we do actually see maybe not the shadow entity moving things around but we do see things moving around in association with that so that's one big difference and demonic activity associated with shadow people are also sometimes well not sometimes usually they're taking the form of things that are not a shadow person so again we said earlier that shadow people aren't always shadow people sometimes they're shadow dogs sometimes they're shadow cats uh there are other things that shadow people take the form of. It's not always a person. So in those cases, maybe we aren't talking about a classic shadow person. Maybe we're talking about something a little more negative and something maybe a little more malevolent. It also is food for thought that a lot of times the people who witness shadow people, while there's not an interaction there, they do feel a sense of malevolence coming from the shadow person. And this is something that we often see with demonic activity. So to be sure, there are a percentage out there where we have reports of shadow people where there is going to be a negative entity involved. Either the shadow person itself is a negative entity or maybe it's a projection of that negative entity. So keep that in mind if you are uh, investigating that or if you're being subjected to it. Keep that in mind and use caution accordingly. The last theory that we're going to look at, and this is, strangely enough, this is one that I have kind of formulated a little bit myself. Uh, Some other people have come up with the idea, but I honestly, when you look at the reports, the 
activity that's reported and the people that are reporting it, uh, this kind of fits in, and that is, strangely enough, astral projection. Um, for those of you who don't know, astral projection is where you, either through meditation or some people just do it naturally, instinctively, without any kind of specialized training or without preparation, you project your spiritual self outside of your body and you can go there are people who say that they li- they live their life on the astral plane uh there are other people who have been able to go to other areas there actually are famous cases where people have been able to project themselves into other parts of the world and describe exactly what's going on there with an astounding amount of accuracy which lends itself to a whole nother line of thought of you know you get into uh, spy programs which they tried to develop in the 50s and 60s with astral projection things like that but as far as shadow people go you know the theory is that the people who practice astral projection either subconsciously or consciously can appear in the location that they're projecting if it's a physical location on this earth as a shadow version of themselves Uh, individuals who witness shadow people are often more sensitive to auras and other psychic phenomena which might make them more likely to be able to sense or witness another individual using these types of processes to travel if true does it then follow that this is maybe a form of voyeurism which has often uh, been my consideration when thinking about this because the person that witnesses it often says the shadow person is literally standing there just staring at them until they recognize that they're being watched at which point the shadow person uh, disappears often either not like in a blink of an eye but just kind of melts away is the uh, witness accessing a plane of experience outside of their physical universe so maybe they're seeing the astral plane but they're not seeing it fully so they're witnessing their physical plane around them and this is getting a little metaphysical but hey i like it uh so you're witnessing your physical plane around you and at the same time you're superimposing the astral plane onto that which is kind of a neat thought And, you know, a lot of reports of shadow people include, as I said, a recognition on the part of the shadow person that they have been witnessed, which gives a lot of credence to the idea that there's not only an intelligence behind the shadow person, but that they are reacting like a normal person would, which would be obvious uh, if it was simply a projection of a living, breathing being instead of a spiritual being who really couldn't care whether you see them or not. What are you going to do to them? So... So now that we've gone over a little bit of information on shadow people, let's take a look at the stories you guys have sent us. I actually pulled out a couple of stories this week that some folks sent us that deal specifically with shadow people. So um, these are stories that uh, one of them has another haunting activity aspect to it, but these are ones that specifically have shadow people activity with them. And I thought it would be a great way to kind of do an aside into a specific realm of the paranormal that is kind of a hot subject right now that I felt like we really needed to explore. Our first story comes from Angela, and she writes us entitling it, Waving Shadow Person and a Haunting. Okay, Angela, let's see what you've got for us. I have two different experiences in two different places. 
My first story was when I was a little girl. I don't remember things very detailed when I was that young, but I remember this experience very well. I lived in East Angelia, not too far away from the starting point of the River Thames. The county I lived in is well known for being the most haunted part of England, which is probably why I was having this experience. It was in my second home, and I was living with my parents and my little brother. It was once a council house, and it was very small, and there was hardly enough space for the four of us. One night, I remember very well that I was just resting on my bed, as I wasn't tired enough to sleep yet. The light in the hallway was on because my brother at that time hated the dark and would get nightmares if there wasn't a light on. I wasn't bothered by the light and was quite happy to have it on so that I would know if anyone walked past my bedroom door to get to the bathroom, which was right next door to my bedroom. Then, out of nowhere, this dark, shadowy creature entered my bedroom. Now, my young self wasn't stupid enough to think that it was just a shadow from one of my family members because of the way it moved. It was too slow and blurry to be a normal shadow. It walked towards the bottom end of my bed, and I think it must have stood there for maybe 10 or 20 seconds, just waving. I didn't feel scared or afraid of it. I only felt calm, like it was someone I knew very well. After the figure disappeared, I got out of my bed and went to check if anyone was there. My brother was deep asleep, and my parents were sleeping too. No one was in the bathroom either. Although this was a long time ago, and we moved out of the house after less than four years, I'm still curious about the house history and did try to find something online, but I couldn't find a single website that's free to use. Most of them are pretty pricey. I did read a few of people's stories on this one website, and some of them claimed that they had a family member who died recently coming back to wave at them or maybe say one last goodbye. I don't think that was the case here, though. None of my grandparents or uncle or aunt died at the time. The only thing I could think of was that I had a granddad who died before I was born and he was only just 40 years old and in a terrible car accident. Four people were in the car and three of them survived. My granddad wasn't one of those people, sadly. Maybe he did come to visit, maybe not. I would like to think it was him. My other experience was when I was about 14 or 15. I went on a weekend camping trip with my friends by the sea. The house we were staying in had four bunk bedrooms. My first reaction when I got inside was that it was very cold. You know, typical British summertime isn't very warm or bright, and it was cloudy that day. But it wasn't just a normal cold. There was central heating in the building, but it didn't make any difference. I assumed that it was the large windows next to the stairway letting all the air in, but they were locked tight. Being a teenager, I just ignored it and pretended I didn't notice the temperature. After a long day of activity, I and my friends returned to the bunk room for a girly evening. There were four of us, and the room had four bunk beds, so we each got one bed each. We were very noisy, and we were chatting about stuff we did that day. I was standing next to the door where the light switch was, because I was acting out something funny. Then the light in the room went off suddenly. I was more confused and scared, and I turned it back on. One of my friends accused me of turning it off, although she could see me in plain view and knew that I was nowhere near the light. I tried to convince her that I wasn't doing it, and right at that exact time, the light went off again. I found it funny, but three of my friends were very freaked out by it. It stopped happening afterwards. By the time we decided to go to sleep, it was around 11 p.m. We all went to the bathroom next door and cleaned our teeth. 
I suddenly got a very weird and uncomfortable feeling that something was watching me from the toilet stall behind me. I got worried and nervous that something was going to happen right then. I tried to joke about it to my friends, but it didn't work. I just quickly finished off whatever I was doing and got out of the bathroom as fast as I could. We all fell asleep by 11.30 p.m., but I remember waking up after midnight because something was shaking the bed, even though no one was sharing the bunk bed with me. I just brushed it off as a dream. The next morning, a member of the staff approached us and asked us if everything was all right. We said yes. She told us that she had heard someone crying in the toilet in the bathroom next door to our bedroom at one in the morning. None of us had left our room after 11.30 that night. I don't know what happened there, but I do know one thing, and that is that I am never going back there again. Wow, Angela, that is a very, very cool story. Thank you for sharing that. And as you see, we have, uh, you know, you have some shadow person activity there. That's kind of neat that you saw the shadow person come into the room and that it stood there and kind of interacted with you. You don't say anything about trying to talk to it or anything like that, but it waved at you, which is uh, the only time I think I've ever heard of a shadow person being that friendly. So, you know, you talk about the possibility of maybe it was your grandfather who did die very suddenly and very young coming back to, uh, greet you maybe say goodbye and that's a very heartwarming thought um i would like to think that that's what it is um especially considering that there are really no other real explanations for it it's kind of weird that that would be the only interaction you would have from that but nonetheless very very cool story and thank you for sharing it with us the other story that we have comes to us from mina and she has titled it shadow entity Okay, Mina, let's see what you sent us. This event took place in Marion, Indiana. The year was around 2012 to 2013. I was in high school at the time. Living in the house at the time were my mother, her boyfriend, my brother, and two of my cousins, one male, one female. It was a very turbulent time in my life and I had a large amount of things going on, not only mentally but emotionally as well. There had been a lot of negativity in that house around that time, specifically between everyone for multiple reasons, so I'm sure everyone was emitting bad juju everywhere. In all the chaos, I had to find a place to detach. My safe haven was my bedroom. I could close and lock the door and not have to worry about seeing or talking to anyone. It was an attempt to isolate myself as much as possible from all of the drama. However, this was the place I also let my negative emotions run free because I had to release or process them somewhere. I shared this room with my female cousin. At night, she would stay up late and usually didn't come to bed until 2 or 3 in the morning. Most of the time, I would have no choice but to wait until she came just so I could go to sleep. It was the only way I could avoid experiencing sleep paralysis or the scary stuff when it began to happen. There had been several occurrences before this specific event occurred. They were not only experienced by me, but by some of my family members as well. Some of the happenings included hearing footsteps that stop in front of my door and never move away, continually feeling a presence tap me and then attempt to lean into me, which felt heavy, hearing my name being called very clearly multiple times, and seeing glimpses of shadow people, hearing someone come in through the door only to find out later that no one else was home hallucinating spider and 
even getting my hair pulled once in the shower. I also do directed dream work and I had some dreams that felt they had been hijacked because the mood and atmosphere would change without my doing. I felt it was outwardly influenced. In the end, I would always feel some sort of presence laughing at me or trying to get really close to my face and breathing on me. This presence felt and sounded like my male cousin some of the time. He was involved in the occult and practiced black magic. More on that later. At the time, I had been heavily researching the paranormal and supernatural, as well as watching the show Supernatural, which couldn't have been helpful. I was also attempting to practice my psychic abilities. They were already present. I was just attempting to make them stronger and more be in control of that energy. I had astral projected accidentally more times than I could count during my dreams, but always to other dimensions, I guess you could say, not places within my own home or the real world. I was experiencing almost nightly sleep paralysis as well. This night I laid down in the dark room with my door open. I was afraid of the dark, but I knew I had to get past my fear eventually. Even with the door open, my comfort level did not rise. I started to go to sleep, but I was still awake just lying there with my eyes closed. All of a sudden, I was stuck. I wasn't scared or anything. Actually, I felt super calm, so calm in fact I felt this feeling was influenced by a force that was entering my room. It was like I quickly entered another mental state, going from beta to alpha in two seconds, or in other words, a high brain state to a low one. However, just to reiterate, I was fully conscious. I was not asleep, nor was I dreaming. While lying there, I hear the all-too-common footsteps approach again and pause at my doorway, and I begin to feel antsy. I felt the presence walk in, hear it even, as its feet pad gently on the carpet. For some reason it felt like maybe it was my brother. I'm not sure why it felt familiar in that aspect, but this made me feel a little less anxious. I knew it wasn't really my brother, but I couldn't help but feel calm. This is why I stated earlier that I felt the calm feeling was the spirit influencing me, for I could not control it. It walked over and stood behind me and tapped me two times. Since it felt like my brother, I replied, what, aloud to see what he wanted. That is when I felt it lean into me very slowly. It felt very dense and it was a little hard to breathe. My eyes were closed, so I tell from the back of my eyelids that there was less light than before, as if its body were blocking the light from the hall. This surprised me because I had never encountered something so solid like a real human being. I was still not able to move, but I started to feel a little less calm. I had to focus very hard and use my will to scare away the entity by saying no several times in my mind. After that, I'm not really sure if it was my own ability or if the thing had the ability to do so, but I was transferred out of my body. I watched myself lying on the bed. Then I saw it. It was standing there looking at me, on the bed, lying down, not spirit me. It was a solid male form, all black, as if a man were wearing one of those full body suits that they wear at college games. He was very three-dimensional, not at all see-through, and he had no facial features. You could see a nose form and an eye pocket indents like his face was covered in tight fabric. He was no longer leaning over me, just standing there, staring. He appeared as if he was slightly curious, though. After a couple of seconds of being in a state of awe, and then shock, panic hit me at the thought that I did not know how to get back into my body. I was able to return to my body 
and then the entity was gone. I was able to open my eyes and move again. That is the only time I've ever actually seen an entity. Ever since then, I've been trying to figure out what the cause was, as I have several theories about what could have led to this occurrence. I have a suspicion that it may have been my male cousin dabbling in the occult. He was so arrogant, and he didn't really care if he did spells right or rituals properly. He claimed he was able to send parts of his soul to various areas in the form of a person he created. However, I still think it's possible that it was another spirit as well. I also have a theory that my fear of the dark may have added to the fuel to the fire since that would provide energy for an entity to feed off of in addition to all the negative energy brewing in the household. Since the entity was so solid, I equated that with its strength level. Since then, my house still has a creepy vibe, but I have not heard any more occurrences taking place. My female cousin and I have been in college for the past few years, so we are not there enough to add our energy to the space. I knew it had to be the home because when I moved out, the activity didn't follow me. I am sensitive still and see glimpses of people from time to time, and along with that, having empathetic type experiences. Even though I have these theories, none have led me to a concrete answer, which is why I wanted to share my story. I have so many questions. Why did this thing feel like a presence of my brother this one time? What was it doing? Why was it so solid compared to the other shadow people we saw in the house that were so fleeting? Why did I project out of my body in the first place? And why did all activity cease after that? And no one else had a confrontation with this spirit. Wow, Mima, that was a great story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Let's have a look at some of the stuff that you shared with us and see if we can answer some of your questions. Um, as far as uh, why the thing appeared to be your in your major experience, why it appeared to be your brother, um, you said your cousin was doing some dabbling in things that could possibly have some negative connotations. Just a one theory out there, maybe you have a situation where your cousin realized that you were kind of onto him because you guys were both doing the same thing as far as astral projection and he was trying to hide that it was him so he tried to make it feel like he was your brother or that he was a safe entity until you caught on to it at which point you said the feeling kind of changed so it's possible that it was him the whole time which is really creepy on multiple levels <laughs> but um you know that was that's my thought on that the reason that it would be so different is you could have had multiple types of shadow people in there. You could have had actual haunting activity. You could have had negative entities. You could have had actual shadow people in there. And then there was the thing that was created by your cousin. You said he said that he could project part of him into the form of another person outside of him. And that's something that I have actually heard about it's kind of a fringe aspect of the occult, but I have actually heard of people doing things like that, and it's kind of a weird thing, but it uh, it's definitely not something that is unknown, so it's possible that there was an aspect that your cousin was putting a negative form of himself out there, uh, and that was the more solid or the more substantial form that you were seeing as opposed to other things that were purely spiritual, so... You know, that's that's one way to maybe look at it. And then, you know, the the fact that you 
project yourself out of your body or he projected you out of your body. That might have even been as much as anything, a self-defense mechanism. A lot of times the show of strength that we have and you doing directed dreaming and you doing positive affirmations are all forms of defense, which I commend you for doing those. Um, But a lot of times when a negative entity comes into our world, it responds very defensively when we show that we are not defenseless when we showed that we know how to fight it and you kind of did you showed that you knew how to fight it you project yourself out of your body which is into its realm and all of a sudden it realized that you are not entirely helpless so maybe at that point it decided to just kind of give up and it's also a thing where you know you and your cousin moved out of the house and went to college and that might have just been the tipping point. It might have been that that little bit of energy was enough that there was not enough energy to fuel whatever it is was there. So um, that's a, a good thing that you haven't really experienced a whole lot there. But I would definitely encourage you to continue your education and continue exploring your aspects of the paranormal and the supernatural and make sure that you are also involving other people and helping to educate them. Again, Mina Tho, thank you for sharing your story with us. That was an awesome story and we really appreciate it. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Mina and Angela for sharing their stories with us. You guys rock. And if you'd like to share your stories with us, uh, just make sure to check out our Facebook page at True Paranormal, the podcast. That's four little words, True Paranormal, the podcast on Facebook. Hit that like button to make sure you get updates from us and hit that email or the message button and share your stories with us. We'd be glad to use them as part of our next broadcast. Speaking of our next broadcast, we are going to be sharing more of your guys' stories Uh, next week so we got that to look forward to and i would like to personally thank you guys for checking in with us every single week we went from a small handful of listeners i think we maybe had nine listeners the first week that we broadcast and this last week uh last episode we did we checked out the numbers and we're a little over four thousand so we're growing by leaps and bounds and that credit all goes to you guys you are the reason we do this show so in the meantime my name is leo rizzuti And thanks for showing up and checking us out. Look forward to another episode next week of True Paranormal, the podcast. Mm -hmm.